Fuck you and you and you. I hate your fans and they hate me too. I'm through, I'm through, I'm through. This that style bender anthem Romero is throwing tantrums. This that style bender anthem Romero is throwing tantrums. This that sit and wait for something and then try and blame the champion. This that title game plan suicide. Your last shot and this how you fight. Sorry he had a plan but shit hits different when it's time to fight. That's still the champion music ripping like kicks. Your walls too thick. His fans are all annoying but we go dumb yeah we go stupid. This that belt is on the table how about you just go and get it and my eyes are still the driest one more time i'm super biased fuck you and you and you i hate your fans and they hate me too i'm through i'm through i'm through this that style bender anthem romero is throwing tantrums fuck you and you and all your coaches too i hate costa and ortega too fuck you and you and i guess fuck me too this that style bender anthem start the show let's throw some tantrums Oh, did you think I was going to start the show any other way? Did you think I was going to sit here and apologize for my king? No, dude. I've been waiting for this celebration for a whole ass month, dude. I've been waiting for goddamn ever dealing with these y'all fans. By the way, the insufferable ones are not the ones that listen to this show. So if you listen to that intro and you think it was directed to you, I can assure you it was not. But we'll get to that, actually. Let's let's save that. Let's not bury the lead. First, we're going to recap UFC 248 and the amazing night of fights it was, despite the sour taste some of y'all have in your mouth about the main event. There were some amazing fights, which we're going to recap. Um, got a lot of news to go over. I mean, a lot of news. Um, and then a ton of questions in the forum, too. Um, plus, I'm going to re... Uh, not recap, but fucking preview uh, UFC Brasilia and give you my picks for the main card there. Man, I got a lot to say. Okay, so let's start off with the with the beginning of the night. Um, I missed the first fight. Apparently, it was a spectacular knockout, so I'm not going to go over that. And I was so uh, upset that I turned on ESPN Plus right as they're fucking doing the um, uh, post fight interview, and I was like, no, I missed it. But the next fight was awesome, dude. That Giga Chikadze versus Jamal Emmers. And I got to say, no disrespect, I thought it could have either been a draw or uh, a a 29-28 win for Emmers. Uh, I thought he took rounds two and three, uh, although um, they were both close. Um, Giga was the, was the, um, round one for Giga was the clearest round in my opinion. Um, But it was a, it was an amazing fight regardless of what happened. And uh, Giga certainly was probably closer to getting a finish of the two, I'd say. I mean, even though the ground and pound was nasty from Emmers. And then Giga gets on the mic and gives us his life story, dude. I was like, Joe Rogan is really letting this man just go on and on and on. And usually when it's a decision, they like either don't interview them or keep it really short. Um, but this guy was going on and on. And I was like, is it because the Emily Whitmire fight fell through and we had a quick knockout? Like they're just sort of stalling for time. I don't know. But what was super funny to me and not n- no one got this. I mean, not no one, but not enough people, in my opinion. He 
started off by saying, you know, oh, tomorrow's International Women's Day. So, by the way, happy International Women's Day, everybody. Um, got a lot of amazing women in my life and uh, very thankful for all of them. Um, but Giga Chikadze <laughs> gives a shout for International Women's Day. And he was like, I know women have a hard time. Uh, and so I just want to say we are here. <laughs> And I felt like he was sort of making it about the men. Like at the end, he kind of circled back, which I thought was super funny. But um, kudos to him for um, for trying. And I, I thought it was just a great speech in general, even though, again, he was like given his life story. And then we move on to the uh, actual prelims because that was uh, that was the last fight in the um, they used to call them fight pass prelims. Now we just call them early prelims because it's all on ESPN plus. Um, Gerald Mearshart strangled Deron Wynn. I mean, Deron Wynn was having some success. It wasn't like a complete domination, but, um, Gerald Mearshart was really using his range. And I thought it was super funny as well, how he was like, sort of like crouching down to his level. And I don't know if that was like mind games or if he was just trying to throw strikes like, because if you have a point where the height disparity is that different, you have to train to hit different targets. So if you're used to throwing a headshot, you know, straight across, you're gonna have to throw it down or do what he did, which is get real low. Um, so I wasn't sure if it was that, or if he was just kind of fucking big brothering him, which would have been hilarious to me. Um, and I love Dur Duran when this is not, um, to hate on him, but man, that rear naked choke was beautiful. I mean, he just would not let go. And, uh, so shout out to, to Rufus sport, uh, Gerald Mearshart is one of the guys I like from there. I've been talking about this with uh, with my buddy uh, Combat Sports the Rhino, with Rhino from from Combat Sports the Rhino. I fucking am so mixed about Rufus Sports. Some guys I'm like, yeah, dude, fuck yeah, and then some of them I'm like, boo. Um, but I like Gerald Mearshart. And then another strangling, the fucking Rodolfo Vieira fighter, Rodolfo, um, against Saperbek Safarov. My God, dude, um, Saperbeck was putting it on him and he demolished that eye. I, if that fight goes into the second round, I think the doctor stopped the fight. Um, or, or at least if not that, then the third, like it was really bad. It was really bad. It was swollen shut. Uh, but luckily, um, Hadolfo got him on the ground and landed that arm triangle and the guy, I mean, granted, he only tapped once. He kind of did the Brazilian tap, um, pun intended. But uh, he just sort of like did a like I don't want to call it a lazy tap, but like a, just kind of a, a half tap. Did it again. The ref still was like, mm, I'm not going to do whatever. And then he kind of had a hard tap where he was like, okay, dude, we're done here. Because he was about to go out. Um, that choke was tight. And then he looked all like, I mean, super just like, I'm trying to find a word that's like not disrespectful. He basically looked fucked up because the from that eye, I was right. I was worried for him. So, uh, best of luck to, or best wishes rather to Adolfo Fierro and to Saperbeck as well. You know, wanna like like Zhang Weili said, "Well, we gotta love everybody, right?" Okay. Um, next up was uh, Marco Madsen versus Austin Hubbard, and this was a Danish wrestle fuck. I mean, DC was like coming over that suplex that belly to belly and he was just like oh yeah and uh kudos to austin hubbard for like getting up and uh landing some shots on the feet he had him hurt with those knees i was like yeah like this is one fight where i was i didn't have a um 
a horse in the race, as they say. Uh, I kind of didn't care who won. So whenever Marco Madsen was like wrestle fucking him, I was like, yeah, more of that. And then when Austin Hubbard was getting out and landing on those knees, I was like, finish him. <laughs> like I was just so like a quintessential MMA fan, like so fickle. Uh, I didn't care. I just wanted, I just wanted violence in that particular moment. And speaking of some good violence, whoo, that knockout from Sean O'Malley. My God, dude, Jose Quinones, man, I feel bad for him. He, he, he's a tough fighter and, and O'Malley just fucking sparked him. I mean, he really, he really made him look like he didn't belong in there. Um, and, uh, kudos to Sean O'Malley for proving that ring rust is in your mind. Um, and it's one of those things where we tend to say, oh yeah, ring rust is real. And then fighters keep proving that it's not like Sean O'Malley, GSP, Dominic Cruz, Neil Magny, which we're going to get to in just a couple fights. Like at one point, do we have to realize, hey, it's as real as anything else, but it's also very uh, able to be overcome, you know, and uh, and Sean O'Malley did that. So I'm, I'm excited for the Sugar Show. I was actually talking to... Um, the Turbo Team, some of my buddies from MMA Twitter who listen to the show, so shout out to y'all because I love you. And um, uh, one of them posed the question: Is uh, Sean O'Malley top fifteen yet? And we all kind of thought, you know, yes, but let's not give him the Darren Till treatment. Let's not rush him into a title fight. Let's not rush him into these like top ten, top fifteen matchups where he's just gonna go like get you know too soon, then you can't go back. Like let's and actually someone who who got that treatment as well in that division, Cody Garbrandt, like rushed him in a title fight, and yes, he won that title fight, but it has not been good for him since. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think he should uh, I should get, he should get another one of those um, opponents. Um, I don't know who that is. Uh, I don't have a, a name in mind, but it would be it would be fun. It would be fun to see. Uh, Sean O'Malley next. It'd be fun to see him against a grappler, actually, someone who's going to test his uh, um, takedown defense and and maybe his his jujitsu a little bit. Because um, to to date, he's he's gotten mostly strikers. Like they're they're sort of giving him the Conor McGregor treatment, actually, which is like, hey, let's give you favorable matchups. Let's kind of uh, protect you in a sense. Which got no problem if it's a star like that. But uh, and in some ways, you know, people said Izzy got that treatment, which I disagree with. But um, Hey, it is what it is. Um, I'm I'm glad to see the guys back, and um, so that does it for the prelims. Now moving on to the main card. Um, I went three and two overall, and um, the first two, man. Well, not so much the Oliveira fight, but uh, with the Neil Magny fight, I was happy to be wrong because um, I wanted Neil Magny to win. But um, and I always say I was like I pick up my heart, but I like the leech, and I just I didn't have enough investment in Magny to be like blindly being like yeah like i just thought you know the layoff i guess ring rust <laughs> i gotta eat my own words on that um and uh just leeching along being a fucking animal i just thought he would eat him alive but um i'm getting ahead of myself because before that we had an absolute war with max griffin and alex Oliveira. now i when this fight happened i was like oh it's fight of the night and obviously we know in the coming event we had fight of the year I mean, really, one of the best fights from any gender ever. And I will hang my hat on that. Don't at me on that. But I, I, I tend to have a have a belief that um, if the rightful fight of the night 
you know, being objective is the title fight. But there is a clear like number two on the undercard. You should give it to the number two because those guys are fighting for a 50k bonus. Those guys, Max Griffin and Alex Oliveira, were putting it all on the line in hopes of getting that 50k. And Joanna and Weili, first of all, Joanna, I think even though she's not a champion, like even in the Waterson fight, I think she makes good money. I think they pay her well. Plus, you make more when you're fighting for a belt. On top of that, so. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just a proponent of, of giving. I, I what I'm saying is I hope Dana and um and uh, what's his name Ari or at least any one of the big wigs that are running the company. I hope they took care of him under the table. That's all I'm saying, because um, Max Griffin uh, was was in the fight of his life. I mean Alex Oliveira, I thought being on that that losing streak would just sort of like I don't know do something for his confidence and Max Griffin is uh, a little bit high in terms of confidence. So I thought, you know what, this is going to make a difference. And Alex Oliveira did not get the memo. He really, um, and I and I saw a lot of, I listened to a lot of other podcasts and, and, I, and a lot of you guys predicted basically saying, you know, he would be, he knew he'd be fighting for his job. And that I think made the case. He was more urgent and more aggressive than I've, than I've seen in his past fights. He, he really put it on Max Griffin. Bloody as hell. I, I thought, for sure they were going to um not for sure stop it like when when they had the doctor take a look at Max Griffin's cut i was i was kind of worried that they would stop it because at that point he didn't look that bad but then when he got him on the ground and Max Griffin was on bottom it looked like he couldn't see a damn thing and i was like oh my god dude please stop this fight but then he reversed it and i was like oh okay we got a fight dude this fight was amazing and it sucks that it was on this card because any other card that that would have been fight of the night hands down I mean that. And uh I guess good for for Alex and his uh seven baby mamas that he got the that he got the win bonus and now he can um I don't know pay some child support hopefully. I don't know if they have child support for Brazil, I'm just saying. Uh canceled juice. But uh moving on to the the next fight on the card, Lee Jingliang versus Neil Magny. Again, happy to be wrong. Uh love Neil Magny and he he beat Jingliang everywhere, dude. He was beating him in the striking and the grappling and the clinch work. He was taking him down. Of course, Jingliang popped back up, but um, he was just making him work in every facet of the fight. And when he had him on the ground for the few times that Jingliang didn't pop up right away, um, he was making him pay, dude. He was he was hitting him with those um, those those shots, a ground and pound kind of up against the cage. He sort of had this like uh I think Dan Hardy likes to call him the Dagestani handcuffs when you sort of pin your opponent's arm, like one of their arms underneath them, which was cool. I mean really just really just beat the shit out of him if I'm honest. And uh I like the the show of respect afterwards. And I love the call out, dude. I love the the Kiesa call out. Now I really loved the um uh, when when Kiesa called out Kobe Covington, but I knew he wasn't going to get that fight. I knew, I knew he wasn't going to get that fight. Kobe doesn't want that. Um, but I hope that um, Kiesa does see the value in, in a Neil Magny fight because this is a guy who is um, a top contender. This is a guy who has some really notable wins and uh, and is a gamer. And they, they always know that Neil Magny comes to fight. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. If they make it. Either way, I'm looking forward to, to both their next fights. And I'm so looking forward to talk about this next fight, dude. All week, I had to hear 
Jakar Close is going to knock Darius out. All week, I had to hear positive things about Jakar Close. Man, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy, dude. And, and I think part of it is this. I don't think I've ever talked about this on the podcast. Um, I saw Jakar Close at um, International Fight Week for UFC 213 when I was there. Um, and this is just, maybe it's just me superimposing my own fucking, like, projecting my own things onto people. But he looked, he was, like, with his boys and stuff, and he looked, like, like arrogant as shit. At that point, I think he had, like, one UFC fight. I was like, dude, sit down. But um, I also hated his UFC debut, and uh, I hated his fight with David Tamor, so... Um, he's a guy, I, I, and I shamelessly admit this, I will always root for him to lose. I, I will. He also whined about Ariel supposedly picking against him in his last fight. Cry about it, dude. Cry about it. Ariel doesn't pick. He's stupid. Oh, my God. So when when uh, he kind of rocked Dariush, and I was worried, I was like, oh, my God. And then Dariush recovered and then fucking knocked him out. You may have seen already. I woke my wife up. We were watching the fights together. Didn't know she was asleep. And I go, oh! And she was like, babe. <laughs> Man, I loved that fight. I loved everything about it. And uh, thank you for everybody who uh, who chimed in on my post saying that they were pro Darius as well. Um, because I really did feel like most people were picking Drakkar. And um, I hate to say I told you so. But I fucking told you so. Uh, Benil Dariush is not washed up. Um, he is he is still gamer. And let's talk about that call out, dude. Which was not a call at all. And I think he knows that. I, I hope so. I think he meant to say, I want to shout somebody out. Because first of all, he's a 55er. And Robert Whitaker is a, is a middleweight. Now, he did fight a welterweight at one point. So... Um, it's not that far out of the question to say, like, maybe he would go back down and Darius would go back up. But I, I don't see that happening at all. I really don't. Um, but uh, he was like, oh, I want to call somebody out. Usually when they say I want to call somebody out, it's not, like, good. Usually a, a proper call out doesn't start with, hey, I'm going to call somebody out. It's just like, I only have a message for one man, and that's you, Cobble Covington. See you in July or whatever the fuck. Like... It basically was like, hey, I want to call somebody out. Robert Whitaker, I want to be like you. You're a good dad, and I hope I'm like that too. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm for it. I'm for giving Robert Whitaker praise, especially for being a good dad. Uh, because if the reports are true, um, he's a very good dad and a very good human. So that warmed my heart. But I was like, Dariush, what, what are you doing calling that a call out? That wasn't a call out. That aside, really looking forward to his uh, his next fight, whatever that may be. And now, the co-main event. Guys, I have to admit something. I am super biased. You know that. And um, I I have not liked uh, Joanna Jacek since, uh, since the Rose fight. Uh, I've been pretty anti-Joanna. But I do respect her skills. And at one point, I was on the, on the train. Um... And even like, dude, some of her, some of her like trash talk, even while, even while being like super disrespectful, gives me chills. Like when they did that face off and Jang just kept saying, shut up, shut up. Whatever she was saying before I forget, I was like, damn, dude, gangster Joanna is back. And I almost, I almost joined the team again for a second. And then I was like, no, 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 I can't. 
And the fight starts and Joanna is winning. I mean, I think she won that first round. But past that, I don't know who won any of the other rounds. I mean, I'm pretty sure Zhang won the third. Um, I guess I would probably have to say first two for Joanna, last three for Zhang. But I don't know, dude. And neither do you. I mean, those fights were super close. Uh, those rounds were super close. The whole fight was close. And I think if we're, if we're going pride rules, and I always say this because it's my favorite style of judging, um, Zhang won. And, and, and I mean, early on, Zhang got pieced up. But towards the end of it, dude, Wei Li rearranged Yoana's face. I mean, really, those before and after pictures you guys keep posting, I love them. Keep them coming. Um, I think I might use one of them for Instagram. But uh, yeah, dude, this was the fight of the year. Like, I don't care. Like when when Izzy fought Gaslam last year, we all, we all said fight of the year immediately, and it turned out to be true. I mean, some people were a little bit crazy, and they picked Usman Covington, which is absolutely crazy. Um, but this, absolutely to me, like I'm not even considering anything else that goes on the rest of the year. Obviously, I'm kidding, but dude... I loved this fight. Can't get enough. This, this, and this fight is the exact reason why I don't like the term women's MMA. And yes, it's it's fair to say that uh, because the women had a late start, you know, um, some of the um, technique is still catching up to some of the other competitors. But guys, they fight on the same cards under the same rule set. Like, take gender out of it. That was one of the best fights I've ever seen from anybody. Certainly the best strawweight fight. I mean, Gedalia versus Andrade was pretty nuts as well. But uh, as far as title fights, hands down, this was the shit. I loved it. I loved everything about it. And 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 regardless of how I feel about Joanna, I don't know who won. And, and so I'm happy for the Zhang win, but I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do what I'm about to do with the main event. I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, we made your girl cry or whatever. Like, kudos to both women because that was absolutely... Like, if they had called it a draw, of course I would have been upset because then, then the title is just sort of like... I mean, obviously, it stays with Jang in a draw, but it, when, when there's a draw in a title fight, it sort of feels like it's vacant. Like, it sort of feels like no one really won. Because I kind of feel like going into a title fight, the belt is up, is up for grabs, and you got you to gotta go out there and get it. In a sense. And that's going to sound contradictory to myself when I talk about the main event, but, you know, true to my name, fighting with myself, I don't even always agree with myself. So how about that, dude? And how about that main event? And yes, you saw the energy I was bringing at the top of the show. I am so proud uh, to be an Izzy fan. And I am not going to jump off the bandwagon. This is my guy. And I don't give a fuck. I've waited for this celebration for so long. And I'm not about to have it taken away from me because the fight was was kind of boring. And, and that is the first and only time you will hear me say that. Now, I stand by what I said. And if, if you didn't watch the press conference, uh, that shit was embarrassing. Yo Romero is talking about how Izzy was running. Bro, you just stood there. So shut the fuck up. Take your L and go home, dude. That's it. That's it. You know how many tile fights you've had? You know you ha- you've lost close decisions? You know you have to go after it? My man's was sitting there. And Izzy was like, look, I tried to get a reaction, tried to get some feints. I was throwing the leg kicks. What do you want me to do? He's got to come after me. I'm the champion. He's got to come take my belt. And I stand behind that, dude. I stand behind it. The fight was 41 easy. What do you want? Like, that's it. <laughs> I mean, I, it was so close that, all, you know, 3-2 to two is fine. But 
any any scorecard that doesn't have Izzy on top, you're out of your goddamn mind. And it's fine, dude. If you if you want to call it a draw, if we're talking about overall, like that's one thing. But no, in the current scoring system, we have Izzy on top, and that's it. I'm not fielding questions on that. That's it, dude. You can you can be a Yoel fan. You can cry about it. But Izzy won that fight, and your man was supposed to take the belt, and he didn't. So stop. And that's mostly directed to people who don't listen to this podcast. So again, I'm sorry. Because I love each and every one of you. And I'm not trying to say you guys are salty. It's more those fucking trolls who don't even listen to this shit. And it's more Yoel himself and his camp. That fucking shit was embarrassing. They're talking about, oh, he should go be a track star. He should be a dancer. Oh, look at me. Look at my face. I'm fine. Oh, what a sore loser. What a fucking sore loser. Idiot. I, I'm, I'm so fired up. Because I, 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 I get so much flack as an Izzy fan. And it doesn't make it easy in moments like this. But bro, if you think your Romero is justified with his tantrums, put on a fucking vest with pockets and take a hike. And that's it. So I'm going to stop here before I get too fired up because everybody's asking about this in the forum. Uh, so we're going to end this segment how we always do in a positive way. And that is by giving a shout out to someone in the community who I think is doing good things and uh, whose content I enjoy, whose interactions I enjoy. And that is, uh, this is a long overdue one. This is my man, Cyrus King. Uh, if you don't follow this man, you are not a part of him on my Twitter, in my opinion. Even though 90% of his posts are food, <laughs> I still love him, man. I love you, Cyrus. And he's uh, been a big supporter of me and this show. And uh, just super encouraging to all the content creators. And uh, has a great show himself. If you didn't uh, listen to my um, Year in a War show, uh, then, you, then you'll be surprised to hear that he has a political podcast called Political Ramble, which I enjoy uh, because it's uh, mostly about uh, being a centrist, which I think needs to be talked about more. And uh, But we won't talk about politics on the show. Um, I would say that whenever I do talk about politics, just to let you know, it's only by accident that I bring it up. But he also has a, an MMA podcast called Combat Corner, uh, or, or Casual Corner, I forget. Um, I'm a bad friend, but um, it's amazing, and I listen to it whenever he drops it, because he's, uh, he's the man. So give Cyrus King a follow. It's S-I-R-I-S-K-I-N-G, at Cyrus King. And uh, yeah, that's it. Now let's... Let's take a break. Let's all breathe. Okay. We had a fight of the year in Zhang versus Yong Jacek. We had a fight of the year. Okay. So just because you're, the, the, the last fight was a little bit boring, let's just, let's breathe. Let's pause. Let's hear my white ass plug anchor so daddy can get paid. And let's move on to some news. Okay. And news. Let's start the news segment, ladies and gentlemen. Um, first up, uh, first order of business that I want to talk about is uh, Olivier Aubin Mercier going to PFL. And uh, this is a very, um, I have very mixed feelings about this because I'm a big fan of the Canadian gangster. I love that guy. But I am not a big fan of the PFL at all. And um, whenever... Whenever fans say, like, like recently Edson Barbosa tweeted out that he wants uh, his release from the UFC. And people are like, no, one of my favorites. I, I hate to see him go. And it's like, guys, you can watch him wherever he goes. Other organizations exist. And I know I only talk about the UFC on the show because it's fucking, there's a lot of it. And I just don't have time. But, hey, 
you can follow these guys uh, wherever they go. I catch Demetrius Johnson at one whenever he's fighting because I love Demetrius Johnson. And that's it, dude. Like, you can watch. So this means I have to watch the PFL. And I jokingly tweet out all the time because I feel like it should blow up and it never does. But I jokingly tweet out, friends don't let friends watch PFL because PFL fucking sucks. Uh, but some of you love it and that's fine. And I love you, but PFL fucking sucks. Um, but Olivier Aubert-Mercier seems to love PFL. He's like, I really like the format. Uh, I like how you earn your way. I like the judo is prevalent. Like, so French-Canadian. Uh but this also, the other thing that sucks about it too is like they can't really show their personalities that well. And one of the things I was loving about Obama Mercier is that he was finally coming out of his shell and doing the Canadian gangster persona. Ah, oh, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss it. So uh, I, I hope he finds some way. I hope the PFL realizes that this is a very marketable guy and that they can uh, crack into that market. And uh, as it was noted by himself and Ariel on... Um, on the Wednesday Ariel Hawani show when they broke this news. Now, the biggest stars in Canadian MMA are not in the UFC. You have Roy McDonald, Sarah Kaufman, and Olivier Aubameyang all in PFL. Like, it's crazy. So, shout out to uh, our neighbors in the Great White North. We love you. Um, one of, some of my favorite supporters of this show are in Canada, and I love each and every one of you. So, super excited for Olivier to get that money. Now, the next piece of news isn't really news. But I had to talk about this, and I didn't know where else to put it. And that is, someone, God bless them, has made an out-of-context FWM account. And I can't decide if I love it or not. Because if it is um, someone who listens to this show, I'm like, yes, dude, this is awesome. And either way, it's, it's free publicity. So, I'm like, hey, I love you. I love it. Keep going. Do your thing. But if it's a troll, dude, I'm like, okay. So uh, I love you. Whoever made that, just let me know so I can thank you properly. Um, the other thing is that that account has so much potential. That account has so much potential. So um, I, I hope that it uh, I hope that it grows and blossoms because I have absolutely nothing to do with it. People are saying like, oh, this is you. Like, this is a genius move to be like, yeah, if I had thought of it. I mean, I did think of it, but I wanted someone else to do it because that's that's the real status when someone else does it. But like, if I would have done it myself, yeah, it would have been it would have been like good marketing for myself to fucking make that account. Um, but I didn't. Swear to God, I have nothing to do with this. It's just funny and uh, I love it. So uh, thank you, but please also let me know who you are. Now, the rest are matchups, and then we're going to end the segment in a little bit of a challenge. Um, but uh, the next, I got a lot of matchups that I want to talk about. Um, and the first is Ryan Hall versus Ricardo Lamas was booked for UFC uh, Oklahoma City May 2nd. Now, if you read my blog, uh, which I need to do another post for, you know that I'm a big Ryan Hall fan, and I've been wanting this man to get a fight for so long, and he... And I use the word duck, and I don't use that word lightly, but he's been ducked by the featherweight top 15 for years. And it's fucking, I'm sick of it. So he needed a fight. He's ranked number 13. He deserves a big fight. And whilst Ricardo Lamas isn't ranked anymore, I think the name value might be enough to catapult him, hopefully further into rankings, to the point where, um, to, to the point where he can't be denied anymore. And look, I pose this question because it kind of, the news had just come out, um, but uh, I had already released my show, um, 
and uh, split decision was recording. And so I posed a question to them. I said, hey, let's talk about Ryan Hall. Let's talk about the penalties for turning down fights as far as rankings are concerned. And uh, you should you should go check that out because it was a really good discussion. Because also afterward, Aldi Ra, uh, who happens to be on the other side of the fence when it comes to Ryan Hall than me, um, also had a great question, which we did not plan. And they kind of talked about it back to back, which I thought was really interesting. So um, check out their latest episode. Although by the time you listen to this, it's probably another one. So maybe go back. Anyway, um, Fike had a good point. Like if you're number eight, um, you're not really going to want to fight down, but you're also not going to be able to fight like like one, two, three, and even maybe four are looking at a title shot or they're going to fight each other. Five, six, seven are probably fighting each other as well. So maybe you can get a fight with number seven or you might be fighting number nine. That way it's just like you're just sort of fighting to keep your spot. So the rankings, I think, do more harm than good in that sense. And there's a, I'm so conflicted because some of the rankings are good um, and sometimes it justifies certain things. But for me, for the most part, I keep always coming back to this. Like All it does is give reasons to not turn down fights. Like, or sorry, give reasons to turn down fights, give, to not take fights. Like, I, I don't know, but I'm going to table that for now because that is a whole other discussion, which I don't even know that I'm properly prepared for without sounding like a fucking lunatic. So um, for now, I'm just happy that Ryan Hall has got a fight booked because uh, uh, Ricardo Lamas actually has really good defensive jiu-jitsu and good hands. So this is a dangerous fight for Ryan as well. So uh, let's not, uh, let's not, I like this is, uh, uh, he's fighting some old guy that he's just going to walk right through and it's going to be another like BJ Penn performance. No, sir. This is a tough fight. Um, still picking Ryan Hall by a mile. I mean, maybe not a mile, but as far as my fandom for the, for the both of them, it's Ryan Hall by a mile. <laughs> Next up isn't really a fight, uh, but it is a grappling match. It's going to take place between my girl, Roxanne Modafferi, and Amanda Lowen. Now, I hope I didn't um, pronounce that wrong. It's L-O-E-W-E-N. And this is uh, on a submission underground, March 29th. So excited for Roxy to, to be showing off her, her new black belt, uh, which is awesome. And uh, when I saw the poster, there were some other matches that intrigued me on there. But uh, this is only really the one I wanted to talk about. Because you guys know I'm not going to miss an opportunity to talk about Roxanne. I love Roxanne. So shout out to her and uh, best of luck on March 29th. I like to say best of skill to fighters because, I mean, A, I got that from John Cavanaugh. I think it's kind of cool. Uh, and B, um, in theater, because that's my life. I grew up in the theater. Um, we don't say good luck. We say break a leg. We feel like good luck, saying good luck is superstitious. Uh, but uh, I was saying, Roxanne, she's like, no, I want the luck. Wish me luck. And I was like, okay, good luck. Jesus. So good luck to Roxanne. And um, good luck to both of these next gentlemen, because I don't know who I like in this fight. Um, people are acting like it's going to be one-sided. I disagree. Um, but um, the next fight is Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker for UFC San Diego May 16th. And Leo, I know you're listening. Dan Hooker is your favorite fighter, and you are like uh, two hours away from San Diego. You have to be at this fight. I don't care. You have to be at this fight. Uh, so you have to take pictures. You have to let me know how it is because San Diego is legitimately one of my favorite cities in the world. And I say the world, but I haven't really traveled the world. I've basically just been to, uh, <laughs> I've basically just been to, you know, various parts of the U.S. and Mexico. So, yeah. But San Diego is is one of my favorite places. Um, before uh, my wife and I took our road trip to to move to New Jersey, when we were living in L.A., we did a weekend in San Diego, 
and at that point um our plans were already booked and we're we're leaving um our, our they're already set in stone to go to new jersey but we're like fuck did we pick the wrong city we should have gone to san diego i love this place uh, my dad was born in san diego and uh, we used to go to like Balboa Park and stuff when I was little. So I always have like a soft spot for San Diego, despite people talking shit about it, like the Gaslight District and stuff like that. But um, really, really excited for for that fight. Regardless, I just like to, I wanted to diatribe about San Diego because uh, it deserves some shine. Uh, I love that city. And Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. My God, that is as good as it gets for the lightweight division. Fuck yeah. And uh, super excited for this. Super, super excited. Um, probably going to go with Poirier at the end of the day, but, um, I like Dan Hooker. I especially like how it makes people mad when you like Dan Hooker because he either blocked you for no reason, or, um, maybe you didn't like that he lost to Felder, uh, which I agree with, but, um, I don't know. I love Dan Hooker. He doesn't give a fuck and his callouts are fire. His callout game is on point. Now. Another one that's not really a matchup because it already happened uh, recently. So you can probably guess what I'm talking about. Iwan Kutalaba versus Magomed Ankalaev got rebooked for UFC 249. And that makes me sad. You know why? Because I've been talking about for weeks that I've had tickets for UFC 249. And I can't go. Why? Because I have a play on that night. And it makes me very sad because... This is my passion, and like I'm caught between two passions, so it really makes me sad. And uh, you can call me casual; that's dumb for no reason. But go ahead. Uh, but I'm I'm maybe gonna r- rush up to Brooklyn to catch the the main card. I don't know. Either way, your boy's gonna be watching as many fights of this as possible, and I'm gonna catch the replays, so I don't give a fuck. But uh, this is the right call, in my opinion, to to run it back. Uh, even though I still, I think Magomed probably takes it. Um, Ankalaev and Kutalaba is still an amazing fight that uh, could go either way at this point. I mean, nah, it's Ankalaev, but it's still gonna. Hopefully, if they get the right ref, it's going to be a barn burner. Or if Ion Kutalaba doesn't fucking pretend to be knocked out, uh, even though he probably was. Now that I've watched it back for, I went from being like he was to that he wasn't. Now I'm like, no, nah, he probably was. Um, he just recovered really quickly. Like it, it, it's just insane. And the last uh, matchup we got to talk about is Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer, uh, made official for UFC 250 on May 9th. And I fucking love this fight. Um, I said uh, last, was it last uh, episode or was it before where I basically was like, you know, Megan Anderson should get the next um, title shot. I've since come around. I think Felicia deserves it. Um, she has a win over or Megan. It would just be weird. Like it's, it was so fresh. Like it was within a year. Like it would be so weird for them to give it to Megan over that. And uh, I think Megan needs more time as well. I mean, let's be fair. So it's Felicia, but we ain't going to get it. So, uh, Amanda Nunes wants to defend. Let's give her an opponent. And, uh, at least Felicia's going to be game. She's tough as hell. So really lo- looking forward to this. And I hope that they headline over Henry Cejudo. Cause that would make my fucking day. That would make my fucking day. All right. And that's it for, for news, but I do have something to close us out. Um, this is a challenge that was posted to me by the Raging Sweet Potato, aka RSP for short. And you guys know 
he likes to um, keep me on my toes and give me really hard challenges or really hard questions. This is a challenge that um, is really open to interpretation, but it's it's kind of it's just like a little fun game here. So he, he challenged me to um, to talk about uh, com compare certain MMA gyms and teams or camps to to um, Hogwarts houses. So he says, which MMA team or gym represent the various Hogwarts houses, and which fighter from each camp is equivalent to a member of that house? Example: ATT is House Slytherin, and Colby Covington is Draco Malfoy. Love that. And that's a great one, but I couldn't use it. And I also think like Colby Covington is more of a fucking Hufflepuff, but I can't really call ATT Hufflepuff. So I got a different one. Okay. So Hufflepuff is Rufus Sport. And it's funny because their colors are also, uh, it's black and yellow, which is the same as Hufflepuff. And I want to say, maybe this is just in my mind, but I feel like the, the mascot of Rufus Sport is also a badger. Again, probably made that up, but it's in my head and I'm going with it. And I really did that just because um, Hellepuffs are so irrelevant. And you know who else is relevant? Brendan Allen. And so I've compared Brendan Allen to Cedric Diggory. Now, if there's any help with listening, I'm sorry, that was a joke. Okay. And then the next one is Ravenclaw. So obviously, I'm going to go with Syndicate and I'm going to compare Roxanne Modafferi to Luna Lovegood. I think that's a pretty apt comparison, uh, to be fair. And uh, Ravenclaw's, which is my noble house, is all about um, wit and um, knowledge and wisdom. And I think that's um, that's what uh, Syndicate stands for. Now, the next one isn't really a gym, but uh, he said team. And, and so sometimes in MMA, there's like a team, there's like a certain camp that doesn't necessarily have a home base, right? And that is uh, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Eric Albaracin's team, uh, the Henry Cejudo's coach with the fucking white glasses. And so that team is House Slytherin. And you know what? Paulo Costa is Draco Malfoy. And that's it, dude. And I even, I want to go a step further, and I'm going to say uh, the fucking coach, Eric Albaracin and Henry Cejudo are Crab and Goyle. Because you know what? That's fucking it. And if I was to probably, I mean... I picked Costa because of uh, who I want to pick as, as Harry. So um, if I were to be honest, I might call Henry uh, fucking Malfoy and that Costa and the coach are Crab and Goyle or maybe Costa and Gaslam since they uh, train together. Um, but Gaslam's more at King's MMA, so th that doesn't even work. Um, but last but not least, Gryffindor is city kickboxing. And if you want to be mad about this, you can be mad about it. But... Um, uh, Alex Volkanovsky is uh, trains out of the gym, at least partially, and he's a uh, he's a Harry Potter fan, so I think he would tend to agree. And you know what? Because I picked Malfoy as Costa, I gotta go with Israel Adesanya being Harry Potter. And now again, you expected this from me as a as Izzy's biggest fan, and I'm not gonna not put my guy in this challenge. And so, if you want to say that's not an apt comparison. Uh, that's fine, but I disagree. Uh, this this is a guy who has come back from the brink of death. This is a guy who um, has shown tons of heart and bravery. Um, he's also a guy that pisses a lot of people off for no reason. So, yeah, in my opinion, he's the guy. And uh, when uh, RSP posed this, um, posed this challenge to me, he said, I'm curious to think... 
who you would compare to Harry, thus being the savior of MMA. I'm like, I'm not saying that about this. Okay, I'm not saying that. But uh, he's for sure my king, and I will follow him wherever he goes. And I will die on that hill. So thank you, uh, Ranger Sweeps Hero. You're the man. Thank you for this challenge. Um, and uh, that ends the segment. So now let's let's all let's all move move past it, and we're gonna go into the forum now. And now the moment you've all been waiting for. The time in the show when you stop hearing from me and you hear from everyone else. The forum. I'm going to change things up a little bit this time. I'm going to start with some DM questions instead because I got some nice ones and I don't want to forget them. So uh, this uh, this clip is from my boy Phil, the MMA dude. So let's uh, take it away, Phil. Juice, what's up, bro? It's Phil, the MMA dude from the Split Decision Podcast. I've got a question for you about Kevin, the Motown phenom Lee. I'm a big Kevin Lee fan, as you know, and he obviously had his incredible comeback win over the previously undefeated Gregor Gillespie, yada yada, we know what happened there. Now he got matched up with Charles Oliveira, which I think is a very tough, tough fight for Kevin. Uh, it seemed a little harsh that Kevin was assigned Oliveira, as Oliveira's extremely dangerous and ranked, I think, 13, and I believe Kevin Lee's 8 right now. At least it's something like that. So here's my question for you. If Lee gets through Oliveira, what's next for him? What fight do you think should be next for him? And what fight do you think he will get next? Because it seems like he's getting a little screwed over here, Juice. It feels like he's getting very disrespected. People are forgetting Everyone was saying Gregor Gillespie is going to beat Khabib. I mean, you know, that obviously got debunked. Now he's got to go and fight a killer in Oliveira, who's, you know, should be ranked much higher than he is. And I just feel like he deserves a Poye, a Gaethje, or, you know, uh, certainly a Dan Hooker if he beats Charles Oliveira. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks, bro. Great question. And uh, what I love about this clip is um, he sent it to me like a video, kind of Cairo style. Um, and he was kind of walking throughout his apartment and I can tell, at least I think it looks like he has his apartment cleaned. The carpets look immaculate. I love that. Well, you love to see it. A man who takes pride in his apartment. I get it. Ladies hit up my boy, Phil, the MMA dude. Um, but great, great question. And I love Kevin Lee as well. Um, I hope you know that. Um, I mean, that's kind of a spoiler cause I'm definitely picking Kevin Lee next week although i agree with you it is a very very tough fight and i'm worried uh for him i'd be lying if i said i thought um i thought he was going to walk right through Oliveira. i do think he has the skills to get it done though so i'd love to talk about what's next for him and i love that question we already know poirier and uh hooker are matched up and Gaethje is more than likely waiting for a title fight. Would I love to see Kevin Lee versus Justin Gaethje? Hell yeah. I would love to see McGregor versus Gaethje even more uh, because uh, that's a barn burner of a fight and it needs to happen at 155. So my answer is this. Paul Felder. I think it's the perfect uh, fight to, to get Paul Felder motivated to come back. Not that, I mean, he already said that he kind of uh, rushed the retirement talk a little bit, said it was a little too emotional, but he did say that for, for him to kind of make a return, uh, it has to be main events, has to be something that gets his blood pumping. And Kevin Lee, as we're seeing, he headlines, he headlines shows, he headlines fight nights for sure. I mean, 
He had the one with Ally Quinta, with Michael Chiesa. Uh, he, I think he headlined 216 with Tony. I mean, the, the guy, the guy's a headliner. He's a star. I don't give a fuck. So um, I think if he gets past, uh, if he gets past Oliveira, he deserves a, a Paul Felder. I think that's a great fight for him. Even though Paul Felder's just coming off a loss, he's still higher ranked. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's the perfect time for for him to get higher up in the in the rankings because you're going to have to take someone off a loss who knows they can't really be picky and turn down a fight. And I think he knows that Kevin Lee is dangerous. And uh, I think that's a fun-ass fight that we deserve. So really, really would love to see that. But I don't want to get too excited about it because, A, it could, it could not even be on the UFC's radar. And, B, um, it's very possible that, um, you know, he doesn't get get past Charles Oliveira. Though I don't even want to put that out in the universe because you know how I feel about vibes and all th- things like that. Which is why um, I always I always go with my guys. I always go with my heart. Like I don't understand why it's so weird. Everyone's like, "Oh, you pick with your heart." Like whatever. By the way, Phil, suck it. You all lost. Ha. Love you though. Um, and I'll keep it civil. I'll keep it civil. That's that's the worst I'll go. Next up, we got a great great question from. Um, from uh, my enraged sweet potato, and he says, "Okay, John Jones has tested positive for PEDs and has had seven fights, two of which were against former middleweights since 2015. He is constantly being given shit for it. Chris Cyborg has also tested for PEDs, has had 11 fights since 2015, six of which have been against, have been against current bantamweights. Why, when they?" Both have such similar histories. Does John Bones Jones receive the lion's share of the hate? Seems a bit selective and hypocritical to me. How can Jones be overrated for fighting lighter guys, but Cyborg is considered a destroyer for doing virtually the same thing? And we had a little bit of... Uh, <laughs> I got it. This triggered me. I'm a Cyborg fan, and I'm a Jones hater. So this question is not sitting well with me. But it is a valid question, not saying that. And uh, it deserves... It deserves talking about. Now, we had a little bit of back and forth, um, not back and forth, just sort of like dialogue after that kind of clarifying, um, saying that he's not, not referring to, um, you know, cyborg stuff outside the cage because obviously she's the same. But for me, dude, that has to come into play because if we're talking about public perception, right, that outside the cage stuff matters. And cyborg giving um, burgers to homeless people and, um, adopting her niece and doing all these other things. Like she's one of the best humans in the world. And I think she's also one of the best female fighters in the world. Now you can, you can make a case that, uh, some of her wins are overrated. That's fine. Um, I think, um, some of the, uh, the criticism is unfair because her division for the longest time was incredibly shallow and, all she wanted to do was fight 145ers, but the UFC was giving her bantamweights. Um, the only thing that I, I think is ever like the only time where I can say that she kind of turned down a fight was the Nunes rematch, which was the last fight on her contract. And she didn't want to potentially be negotiating off a loss. So she wanted to fight Felicia Spencer. She wanted to get her confidence back, which is fine. That happens all the time in boxing. And I'm not a boxing fan. I'm not defending like tune up fights or anything like that. But sometimes when you come off a terrible loss, you don't need to jump into a rematch right away. So I kind of, I don't know, forgive her for that. And as far as her fighting current Bantamweights, it's, 
just is what it is. Like she came into the division when there literally was not a 145 division. They created it for her. They did a uh, inaugural title fight with Durandamy and Holly Holm. Yes, I mispronounced Durandamy. Yes, it was on purpose. No, I'm not going to correct it. Um, Durandamy won controversially with those late hits. And then she ducked the cyborg fight and fucking went back down to Bantamweight. And that's fine. If you want to do that, that's fine. That's your career. But all that was left for her was to fight Megan Anderson. That was who they want. At, at the same time that the inaugural belt was happening, Megan won the fucking belt in Invicta, and they signed Megan, and they said, okay, you're going to fight Cyborg. It was for UFC 214. Well, Megan Anderson had some personal issues, which uh, I don't I don't know about and I won't claim to, and we're not going to shame Megan for that, or Megan, or whatever the fuck her name is, because that's her thing. So she ended up fighting Yana Kunitskaya, who uh, was the Invicta Bantamweight champion. At the, no, I'm sorry. I, Tanya Avenger. Tanya Avenger got the call, and then Yana Kunitskaya got it later uh, after, I think, taking the title in Avenger's absence. Tanya Avenger was tough as shit, dude. She endured a beating from Cyborg. And now since then, she has not looked good, and Aspen Ladd beat the brakes off her, and people are kind of poo-pooing Cyborg's win, saying, you know, Aspen Ladd did it faster. Yeah, I think that was a sort of a shell of Avenger, dude. I mean, uh, she she took the kitchen sink from Cyborg, so that is what it is. And also, Aspen Ladd's really good, so that's not fair to just be like, oh, well, Aspen Ladd's better than Cyborg just because she beat Avenger faster. That's a terrible MMA math. Now, the next thing is, she was fighting those Bantamweights because there were no featherweights. The UFC was not f- signing featherweights. Jones has 205ers to fight. And yeah, he's fighting uh, middleweights that came up to 205. So they kind of earned their spot. So I don't necessarily fault him in that. But I I guess what I'm saying is I don't fault either of them for um, fighting lighter people. But I will use it as a Jones hater. To discredit some of his performances. Because that's how I am baby. And that's fine. But I don't think uh, he necessarily deserves it. But that doesn't mean I'm gonna still not going to throw it his way. Now. The PED issue. Cyborg tested positive for PEDs in 2011. So I know you were using 2015 as a, as a time frame. Because they were both. Uh, sort of like. Um, I don't know what. To make it even. Talking about the same time period. Which is fine. But if you're going to talk about PDs in there. You have to talk about the fact that. Cyborg tested positive once. At a time when everyone was doing it. Maybe not all the women. But certainly the men were. And so she dabbled. And she served her sentence. And since then has has not, not failed the test. Now she had that one issue with USADA. With the fucking George Lockhart. Putting fuck on her. Telling her to take this stupid birth control. And uh, messing with her whole system. She got a TUE for that, and she was exempt, and that's fine. So so that, like, as far as 2015, 2016 PD issues, if we're talking about that, uh, not not in the conversation as far as I'm concerned. So um, I guess I'm the wrong person to ask this because, again, a Chris Ibar fan and, and a Jones hater, but um, while I see your point, and, and, and that's fine, if, like, if you... If you are, are, are the kind of person that criticizes Jones for fighting middleweights and saying he's a shell of himself for uh, or for for fighting middleweights and 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 not being on PDs? I'm fine with that, but I also don't think you need to transfer that same energy over to to Chris Cyborg. Um, it's it's misplaced in my opinion. So um, that's my thoughts on it. Uh, we can debate further on this. I'd actually love to hear uh, what. Uh, the, the rest of my listeners think I would love for this conversation to spill over into Twitter. So um, 
Let me know, everybody. All right, now we're going to move on to the voice questions. And again, I, I made a rule last week just, just to remind everybody that um, there's one uh, voice question per person and one and one Twitter question. So um, so that's fine there. But uh, one one each. And I, and I want to keep it that way for, for you know, indefinitely. But here's a here's a nice one from Shane Terra to start. I really love how Ali Abdelaziz will go around uh, talking tons and tons of shit on fighters because they won't, they quote, quote unquote, won't take fights with his fighters. But then he gets his fight. He only, his only goal for his fighters is to sign them against people that, that are basically cans. Like, Islam Makachev versus... Anthony Hernandez, like, who the fuck expects Anthony Hernandez to win that fight? Fucking nobody. But then he had all that back and forth with Kevin Lee, like, fuck out of here. You guys don't want him fighting Kevin. I just don't understand the point of managers. Like, I get managers trying to get their fighters favorable matches and make the money and build the brand. But what's the point of doing that if you're just going to have them fight tomato cans and not, not get them any respect? Like, I just don't fucking get it. Um, what do you think? You know what I think, Shane? This was one of your best questions of all time, because I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, first of all, it's Alex Hernandez. Anthony Hernandez is our boy, Season Salt, which shout out to him. Uh, he's awesome. Uh, if you have not yet checked it out, go to his page. It's at, I think it's at underscore Season Salt, but it's Anthony Hernandez. You know who I'm talking about. Um, uh, I talk about him on the show a lot because uh, he's a great inspiration to me. Uh, he had a blog where he talked about his whole battle with cancer. And it fucking ripped me apart, dude. I was sitting at work crying like a baby. Uh, here, quote from his wife. So, quick plug for him. Go check that out. He's an awesome guy. And uh, you will love that. Uh, but now your question about Islam Makhachev versus Alex Hernandez. I'm so glad you sent this in because I didn't write this down uh, in terms of matchups. Uh, because I, I was just so angry about it. And... Yes, that's good content when I'm angry about it, but I was just like, I don't even want to give this motherfucker any shine. But I'm so glad to be talking about it in the forum because this is where it's not about my ideas, it's about everyone else's ideas. And you know what, dude? You're right. Ali Abdelaziz is a fucking piece of shit. And we can talk about him getting his fighters uh, title shots and money. There's a lot of people that defend Ali. They're saying, oh, you shouldn't hate a fighter because they're managed by Ali. Fuck you. Yes, I can. And I will. Do I think Alex Hernandez... Deserves my support? Fuck no. But am I going to give it to him because he's fighting Islam Makachev? Fuck yes. Dude, get out of here. Islam Makachev talking about how he's like, uh, you know, needs to be fighting Kevin Lee. Motherfucker, you could have fought Kevin Lee. So shut up. And shut up Ali. And shut up to Islam Makachev for that fucking tweet saying women do not um, showcase this sport or whatever he's talking about. He said this sport is not for women. Fuck you and you. And you, and anyone who trains with you. I'm through with Islam Makhachev, dude. You're officially canceled. You're on the list. You're off the good list. Uh, anyone who's saying Islam is the next coming of Khabib can suck it. You can suck my left tit. How about that, dude? Islam Makhachev, you're nothing. I hope Alex Hernandez smashes your fucking face. I hope he rips that Dagestan chin strap and, and puts it in your mouth, dude. Fuck out of here. Um, and it's a good point. I don't expect Alex Hernandez to win, but goddamn, I'm gonna give him my my support. America. Great question, Shane. Wow, you really brought the heat there. What's happening, Juice? It's John. Uh, what do you think about 
potentially referees after a controversial stoppage, given their reasoning for it, maybe help stopping all the shit show on Twitter afterwards. Peace. What a fucking great question, man. Uh, that's at JSNoble16. Go give him a follow. Great guy. Uh, we've been going back and forth. He kept telling me to leave you all alone. So I'm sorry uh, for the uh, intro. You probably hate me, but just know that I love you. And uh, that that was directed at Yoel and his fucking salty-ass coaches and his fucking salty-ass stands on Twitter. Um, so yeah, there's that. But amazing question dude so so glad that this is your debut because that was a great great question and you know what referees are discouraged by the commission from from doing interviews uh mark goddard is pretty much the only one who does it because he doesn't give a fuck herb dean does it every once in a while big john will but now he's not riffing anymore so it's different and also i don't know that now that john is a commentator that he's doing many interviews so there's that but I think, you know, we need to hear from these refs. I talk about it all the time. Even if you're not going to take questions, issue a statement. Even if you're not going to go back and forth with the media, even if you're not going to show up to a scrum. Like, I give Bob Bennett of the uh, Nevada Athletic Commission so much credit for showing up to press conferences and showing up to media scrums to either defend his judges or or, or say, hey, that judge is going to have to answer to me, things like that. Um, I also commend Andy Foster for uh, inviting the media to, uh, I guess maybe it's already happened by now, but um, he invited the media to his uh, meeting with uh, referees and judges when they were talking about, uh, it was like a rules meeting or whatever. Uh, and he, he said, that's open to media. I would love for them to be involved and uh, you know answer any questions there. That shit needs to happen more often. By the way, Andy Foster is the California State Athletic Commission director for for mixed martial arts, and I thought he was going to sound like a Californian. He sounds so southern, like so southern. It's so crazy. Uh, but yeah, dude, we need to hear from Kevin McDonald. We need to hear from Todd Anderson when he lets Holly Holm take those late shots. We need to hear from uh, fucking Mario Yamasaki when he almost lets people die. We need to hear from these people. We need to hear from them. And uh, Mario Yamasaki did issue a statement uh, the last time we saw him in the UFC, but it wasn't good enough. We need more. Um, so yeah, we need to be uh, we need to be making these referees answer for their fucking bullshit. And it's a hard, hard job. It's a thankless job. And so I, I try and and commend good refing when I see it, but at the same time, I have to call out bad refing when I see it, right? And, and there's just so much of it that it needs to just be called out. And we need to hear from them. Because here's the thing. If if Kevin McDonald is your statement said, hey, listen, I was on edge from those pre-fight antics and I thought shit could go south at any moment. And when he was looking out on his feet, I knew it was the right time to stop the fight. I'd be like, you know what? I agree. Now we don't need to run it back. But with him just not making a statement, it makes you wonder if he was fucking paid off. Like, Shit like that is bad, and we don't need it because, to be to be honest with you, I don't think he was paid off. But it makes for conversation for from fucking casuals, and I use that in the bad sense because I think there's nothing wrong with being a casual fan of anything. But when you talk about new new 
fans are new to the sport, it's okay to use casual and derogatory term in that sense because the people that are fucking saying fights are fixed and things like that deserve to be called out and say, hey, we don't fucking do that here. We don't pay judges. This isn't Golden Boy Promotions. We don't fucking pay referees. Uh, this isn't the money team. We're fucking... That's it. So, great question, John. Yeah, we need to hear from these refs. And um, I think I will, maybe when there's an off week uh, in the UFC schedule, I think I'm going to... Uh, Try and get in touch with my um, uh, my homie who is in my area, who is a who is a ref. I want to uh, hear from him, and I want you all to hear from him as well. Juice, I want to be weird with you right now, right now. I am so sick and tired of this commentating by whether it's Joe Rogan or somebody else. Like, I'm not here to dispute whether Whaley Zhang beat Yoane Andrzejczyk. If you think Whaley won, that's perfectly fine and okay with you. But if you're going to sit here and act like Whaley outstruck her every single round, like Joe was pretending like it was going to happen, that is just baffling. I want to know right now, I want to know right now, whether people think that commentating and the crowd affects scoring. And if they don't think that commentating affects scoring... I damn sure am willing to die on this hill about crowds affecting scoring because they really do change the storyline. Like, oh my God. Whaley would land one check hook and y'all would land to the body, land to the legs. Like, I just, yo, I don't want to come off like a sore loser, but damn it, I'm a sore loser about when the crowd and the commentators affect the outcomes of fights. Stop letting the judges sit cage side. This is a great fucking question, dude. Kairos, you're the man. Check out Kairos. He's back on doing the YouTube channel. He's back contributing to the to the WoCast. Uh, I mean, that never really stopped once it started, but I'm just saying. Dude, first of all, love the energy. Uh, secondly, uh, I'm going to disagree with you partially, but you bring up some very good points, and uh, I will always talk about this. First of all, we know judging is terrible. Um, part of that is the is the criteria, which, which needs tweaking, in my opinion, but also we need to employ the right people. Uh, because not enough people understand the criteria. And I think we would owe ourselves a fucking... We're doing ourselves a disservice as fans to not look up that criteria. Because I've talked with so many people on Twitter since starting this podcast and enjoy the MMA community who think they know how to score a fight and they don't. And that's sometimes why I don't get too salty about a decision that didn't go my way in terms of who I wanted to win. Because it's at the end of the day, it's someone's opinion on a fight. But when you're talking about someone's opinion of criteria... That's not okay. We have criteria. It may not be the best, but it's in place, and we need to follow it. So that's number one. Number two, um, I actually didn't think the commentary was being all that biased. Like I think they were giving Yoana plenty of credit early. I just think whenever Whaley landed, she was throwing some bombs, and they looked amazing. It wasn't about outstriking. I had this conversation also with with um, my boys in the Turbo team, and, and we are talking about whether you score... Um, Joanna's volume striking over Whaley's power striking, like that matters. Like the with the new judging uh, scoring criteria, damage weighs heavier. So, so that's number one. I, I think Nevada has actually adopted that. Um, they just they kept the down fighter rule for some reason, but the new scoring should still be in place. Uh, the new judging, uh, well, I guess that they go hand in hand judging and scoring. However. The judges, unless they're sitting right next to the commentator, I don't believe they get commentary at all. Um, I, I really don't. I, I think they, they actually just like are on a monitor, uh, but also cage side and they're kind of spread out different points so they can get different angles. Um, if they're uh, watching the five versus watching the monitor and, um, 
it, it's so loud that even if they had like I don't, I'm pretty sure they don't have headphones in, um, which is another problem number one. Uh, but what you said about the crowd, absolutely, dude. It matters, dude. That's why fucking Darren Till got the decision in London or Liverpool uh, when uh, when he fought Wonder Boy, dude. And it was a close ass fight, so I'm not gonna cry robbery, but Wonder Boy won that fight. That's it. <laughs> Wonder Boy won that fight. <laughs> That's it. And it was because the crowd thought those uh, shots from Darren Till were landing, and they weren't. Like this to me is madness. The judging needs to be improved leaps and bounds as is. But one thing that's very easy to do is move the judges into a a, a soundproof room or give them noise-canceling headphones and have a fucking member of the commission stand there next to them and make sure they're not texting. That's so easy to do, and we can do it right now. So why I, I disagree with you about the commentary... You're on point about the crowd, Kairos. You're on fucking point. And um, there are times when I agree with the ruling and people are upset about it and they'd say the crowd affected it where I, where I disagree. But at the same time, I have to concede that maybe it did. I just happen to agree with the ruling. You know, um, in this case, uh, Wei Li Zhang versus Joanna, I like I said, I don't know who won, so... Um, I'm happy that Jing won for, for my own personal bias, but um, I was half expecting, uh, you know, a, an and new. I was half expecting Joanna. And when I say half, I mean, like, I was literally divided. Like, I was like, I don't know who won. Jesus. But um, it was a hell of a fight. So we, we can't sit here and cry robbery. Um, not that you are. I'm just saying. And that goes for the fucking, uh, for the main as well. Does the booing affect the judge? The judging does the booing make them go? Oh wow, really? Uh, this guy's fucking fucking up. Like, I'm not even gonna talk about it. Yo yo yo, Juice, what's cracking? It's Ronnie Noseblow here, coming back at you. First thing I want to say is huge shout out to the women in the co-main event. They they carried that shit. They put it all on the line. That was bad fucking ass fight of the year contender one of the best women's fights of all time if not the best but yoel saying that that people paid for a fight yoel you're there to fight it's your job to go take the title you have to win it izzy defended it you didn't try and win it i mean i don't What's your opinions? Um, I I don't think Yoel should retire, by the way. I know you're just heated right now, but he's got to get after it. Uh, Also, fuck Islam Makachev. That's it. That's the message. Peace. Yes, dude. I loved everything about that message. And yeah, I was joking about Yoel needing to retire. Yoel, for, for being all of 43, he looks damn good in terms of his um, explosiveness and things of that nature. I don't think he won the fight, and I think he had a terrible fucking game plan. But I don't think he should retire in terms of that. I just think that you know his goal is to be a champion, and I honestly don't see a scenario where he gets a title shot again 
at 185. Now, if he would listen to me and go up to fucking 205, he could probably knock John Jones the fuck out. But right now, it's not happening at 185, Yoel. But yeah, everything you said was was incredible. That post-fight interview was fucking embarrassing. It was a piss-poor excuse for you just staying there. Like, people pay for the fight. You fucking the fight. Go home. Take your gloves, take your lunch pail, and go home. Fuck out of here. Yeah, and fuck out of here with Islam Makachev, too. Loved everything about that message. Hey there, Juice. Fighting with myself. It's Smokey J here from Australia. Uh, before I ask a question, I just want to fucking congratulate myself for coming in fourth in the fucking Ned's betting UFC Ultimate MMA Twitter fucking betting competition. I was up against the likes of Mac Melly and his dog Gokan, fucking UFC superfan and some fighters, um, John Wayne fucking Parr and Damo Beatdown Brown. Uh, John Wayne Parr won the whole tournament, Beatdown come in second, and Josh Bell, the inside word, um, fucking come in third, and I come in fourth, which made for a fucking all-Australian top four. Um, it was cool to be Mac Melly, no lie. Uh, cheers, me. Let's have a quick drink. Yeah, I do have a question, though. Now, that title fight between fucking Yola Romero and Izzy Adesanya was one of those fights where the stars completely clashed and basically cancelled each other out. Uh, didn't make for the most exciting fight, but there was one motherfucker inside that octagon that wanted to make it an exciting fight, and that was the referee, Dan Mergliotta. I think it was between rounds three and four, he had a bit of a word to those guys, and I'd be paraphrasing, but, you know, it was like fucking pick up the pace and give the judges something to judge upon. Um, I thought that was pretty cool myself, but it fucking left me wondering, like, I know that the referees can take points away for timidity and stuff like that, but can it go that far the other way for them actually coaching the fighters to put more effort into it? Uh, I just want to know if Dan was in the right or not. I fucking loved it, to be honest. I'm trying to get it to be a bit more exciting, but I just wanted to know what you thought about Dan in that situation. Uh, cheers, dude. Bye. Fuck yeah. First of all, cheers to you, as you said. Uh, that's awesome that you came in fourth in that competition. And I love that you beat all the people that you mentioned you beat. Happy for you. Um, and also, great point about um, Dan giving the timidity warning. Now, um, yes, you can give a timidity warning. I think you can even take points away if it, if it persists. Although, a situation like that, that would have been terrible. Um, I think it might have even caused a draw in one scorecard. Um, depending on who they took points from. Although, I don't know. Do you take points from both? It, it's it's weird. I, I'm not sure the ruling on that because um, it's it happens so rarely. However, I have seen it happen one one other time where the ref gave a timidity warning, and it was uh, justified. I think it was a Holly Holm versus Betkohea, a UFC fight night in Singapore, and um, they were pretty much like not throwing anything. And uh, Mark Goddard, I think it might have even been mid round. By the way, like Dan did it at the start of the round, which is probably better. Like he did it at the start of the fourth. Um, so technically in between the third and fourth, like you said, but uh, more more specifically to start the fourth. And um, he, uh, Mark Goddard, I believe, stopped in the middle of like the third round or whatever and says, look, ladies, appreciate the game plan. Let's throw something. Like basically just said that. And the way Dan said it, um, 
Dan's from from my part of the world. He he literally like is in a town that's like one town over from my in-laws and everything is like so um close here that literally um is like 15 minutes away from me at any given point where I am probably um like I've 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 run into him well I mean I didn't say anything but I've been uh behind him in line at the grocery store before. Like Dan uh I I know how he speaks, right? And um the way he said it was so like New Jersey that it could have sounded like rough or whatever, but basically the message was valid and the message was, hey, fight. And that basically was a timidity warning. So that that was totally justified and totally um, the right call there. Now, if he had given it again and if he had um, taken a point away, I probably would have had an issue with that, especially as I've been talking about, the onus is on the challenger to come take the belt and he didn't do that. He fucking stood there, so... Yeah, great question, and yeah, um, if you want an example of it, watch Betch Cohea versus Holly Holm. Uh, it's also great because Holly Holm hit Betch Cohea with a beautiful question mark kick, and uh, that was all she wrote. So great to, to watch it for that reason as well. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? 248, that was a good card, man. That cold main event, unbelievable. Nice, you why I was just talking it up and talking it up. I hardly talked about the main event at all last week. For that reason. You well, I just you never trust a guy, man. You don't know what the fuck he's gonna do. <laughs> Alright, my question for you has nothing to do with the two forty eight card at all. Ryan Ortega. What the fuck is this clown doing, man? Slapping a translator? You wanna be a tough guy? Go to the bathroom with Korean zombie and fucking fight it out in there. That'll impress me. You slapping a fucking translator? That's a bitch fucking move, man. Come on. Fucking casual. All right, that's my question for you. Keep up the great work, Juice. We love you, buddy. It's always worth 20 bucks. Love you too, Jim. Great fucking question. And that, if you didn't know, is why I put Ortega in in the intro. Because it was sort of uh, happened at the event. It was relevant to the nights. And I was like, man, fuck that. Dude, this is hard because... I was a Brian Ortega fan for a long time. I saw him fight live at 199. I mean, I was a fan before then from watching his fights and uh, seeing him grapple with um, Henner Gracie. Um, some of the best jiu-jitsu I've ever seen was um, was Brian Ortega and Henner Gracie sparring for this, like, I don't know, event. It was fucking awesome. And I was like, hell yeah, dude. And he, he need Clay Guida and knocked him the fuck out. I was a massive Ortega fan for a while. But, oh, dude, over the past fucking year or two... The way he's acted, no, I'm fucking, I've turned on him, like just absolutely fucking terrible. And you know what? For, first of all, I'm, I'm not as mad at, as other people at him for this. Then I, 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 maybe as I should be, I don't know, but it's worth, it's worth breaking down a little bit, right? Because he didn't just slap a translator. Uh, the guy he slapped was, I believe the guy's name is Jay Park. It's, um, he's a, he's a Korean rapper. And I think, I think even like hosted a game show in Korea or whatever. He, he basically is a big superstar celebrity in, um, in Korea. And he met, um, zombie from like training at the gym, I believe. Um, they explained it all on Ariel's show when, when he was on a few weeks ago, which was uh, a hilarious interview because, um, zombie goes Volkanovsky, I love you or whatever. It was so great, dude. I loved it. But um, 
basically that guy he translates for him but i think he's also maybe his manager or whatever and what brian ortega did to slap him the reason brian ortega slapped him was he took issue with the way um uh with with the way he translated what zombie had said basically he seemed like he was kind of inserting himself in that sort of similar to the way walid ishmael does uh, which i've said or fucking um Malky and Abe Cowell when they're translating for Yoel, like things like that. So why I think it was a little bit understandable. I think what you said was true. Like zombie was in the bathroom. You sure it was zombie. Um, he should have fucking gone after. I mean, he shouldn't have done either to be honest with you. Like that shouldn't happen at all, but I'm not as mad because it wasn't like he wanted to slap zombie and like, didn't want to go in the bathroom. He was like, Oh, let me just slap the translator. He did have an issue with the translator, but again, it wasn't just a translator. It's a guy that also manages zombies. So it's, it's a bit of a, there's some layers to it. Um, I'm, I'm still not a fan of it. I'm still kind of shitting on him for it, but, uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as, as some people think, or in my, in my opinion. Hey juice. On time listener for some caller. Um, I'm a big MMA fan. Mostly UFC, though. Um, I like that George Masvidal guy. He's pretty good. Got cool hair. And uh, I'd like to see him fight that Conor McGregor guy. That guy's that guy's pretty good. But, um, hold on. Somebody, somebody has a question? I got a question for you, Juice. Last night, we saw Yoel Romero be... Oh, show. No. Go. Is it time for him to retire, maybe? Uh. What's up, Juice? It's your boy. I say do the lap. Call him the girlfriend's phone. Uh, Wendy Zhang, killer. Israel Zana, killer. What's up, BM crew? Love you. <laughs> Bro. This guy probably took an edible, waited about a half hour for it to kick in, and then as soon as he felt it, like, boom, hit record. My man is so all over the place. This was amazing. This is a great call. First off, I get I get the notification that I got a voice message. It always says, like, it pops up as a notification for me. It's like, you got a voice message from so-and-so, and it has the name you put. This is a female name, and, I, and, it, and the title was Longtime Listener, First Time Caller, and I was like, what? There's more than one or two girls that listen to the show that actually want to participate in the forum? This is great. I can't wait. And then I I press play and I'm like, this is not... Who is this? And then he goes in the Macho Man voice and I'm like, oh, dude. And then I remember he told me he would have to have put Anchor on his girlfriend's phone because something happened to his or something like that. <laughs> I mean, you could have put your own name. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my God. Uh... So played the surprise. I like that Conor McGregor guy. <laughs> Fuck out of here. Um, yeah, dude. Thank you for, for saying y'all was all show and no go. Because that deserves to be said more. Say it with your chest. And um, when I said retire, I obviously, like I said, I was joking. But also was just sort of like mad at him and his fans. Like, fuck out of here. Um, and his coaches, dude. Fuck them. Even the the coach, even in the press conference, um, took took uh, the liberty to like translate on his own and being being like, no, no, I'll answer that. No, we we don't respect him or whatever. Like he was just kind of being a fucking asshole. Um, that said, 
I also wouldn't mind if he retired because it would mean that he's walking away at the right time. Because I'd like to see, uh, I, I hate when guys like retire when it's too late. And that, that's not to say that that is the case right now with Yoel. Like I, 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 like I said, I, I do think he has more fights in him. But get the fuck out of here with this blaming the champion for, for your performance. You absolute tool. Um, so yeah, I would, I would more advocate for him to go up to 205. That's what I would like to see, really. And I, I feel like I said it after all of his fights, but I've been saying it for a while, dude. Saying it for a while. Oh, and I, I totally forget. I'm supposed to be shouting out. I mean, it would help if you all did it as well. But I'm um, uh, shout some Twitter handles. Um, that was, um, I mean, the name is I say dude a lot. I want to say it's at JRSP nineteen seventy eight or six. Once you type in JRSP one nine seven, you'll find it. You'll find it. I mean, it's I say dude a lot. Um, and uh, Jim Asun one was before him. Smokey J M M A, uh, Saroni Noseblow, Kairos M M A. I said John, John Noble because he put it in the name, which is fucking awesome. Yay for you! And then obviously Shane Terra. Um, okay, this next one is from Mixed a Man. Let's go! Let's go! Hey, Juice Mixed a Man in the house. What is up with that co-main event? Holy shit, man. Last night belonged to the women. Wiley fucking Zhang. I stand the fuck out of that shit, man. And honestly, I stand the fuck out of that strawweight division. There are so many matchups, so many fighters that are tingling my loins right now. It's fucking amazing. That is the division to pay attention to. Winnie the Pooh might be banned in China, but the UFC is alive and well. As for that main event, you might as well walk that belt over to dumb, dumb Paulo Costa and hand it over to him because he looked like the real winner last night. And I know you're not going to like that because you're an Izzy fan, but, you know, dumb, dumb Costa is going to think it's a chocolate bar or something and try to fucking eat it. So it's all good. And as far as Israel Adesanya goes, all week driving around in a fucking McLaren talking about buying his mom a BMW or some shit. Call your financial planner, you stupid motherfucker. You don't have enough money for a McLaren, and your mama doesn't need a goddamn BMW. She needs guaranteed income for the rest of her life. Get her a variable annuity, you stupid asshole. Did you learn nothing from Tyrone Woodley, who bought like 16 fucking cars and is now complaining that he's broke and needs a goddamn rap check with his terrible-ass music because he can't afford the lifestyle he thought he was going to have forever? No. You learn nothing. I'm going to see all of you guys drinking your dinner through a fucking straw in 30 years on an episode of Broke on ESPN Plus while it fucking lags through even those episodes. ESPN Plus is the biggest loser of the night. Fuck that platform. It's goddamn terrible. Izzy, call your financial planner and just shut your mouth. Take the win and move on. Like, you're going to be fine. Anderson Silva did this shit to us 20 times, and we love him. God bless you, Mick. What an incredible question that was. Uh, I don't know there was actually a question in there. Just, just some great statements. Uh, is Costa the real winner? No. Fuck him. He doesn't win anything. I don't care if you hate Izzy for that performance. Costa, uh, if he wants that belt, he needs to take it. And I think he will try and do that. And he's definitely next. 
But as Dana said in the press conference, he needs to not have his fucking friend in Brazil pretend to be a doctor and call him, dude. Did you guys hear about that? That happened. He had his friend pretend to be a doctor and call Dana to try and get him cleared. What a fucking idiot, dude. That's, by the way, that's criminal. I hope they throw that motherfucker in jail. Not Costa, but the friend. Although he's certainly a uh, conspiracy to that. Bro, what the fuck? All right, secondly, <laughs> yeah, the strawweight division on fire right now. Um, that's starting to really be like the deepest women's division. And I really mean that. It's It's got so many matchups at the top that are amazing. And uh, a lot of fighters that are doing wonderful things. Uh, it's almost like the the female version of like 155. Like it's just always going to be like a rotation with the belt and this like stacked, you know. Love that for them. And uh, ESPN Plus, yeah, dude, it fucking lagged the shit. Out of, like, I kept having to close the app and reopen it. I missed so many good moments because of that. Luckily, it didn't happen on the pay per view because I fucking paid for it. Um, but fuck, man. And regarding the McLaren, okay. I believe, and I could be wrong, if someone knows for a fact, please correct me, but I think the McLaren was a gift. I actually don't think he'd pay for the McLaren. Uh, I think uh, McLaren is a New Zealand-based company, and I think they uh, gifted him that. Um, I could be wrong, but um, I think he said that he didn't necessarily like want to go out and buy a McLaren, but they, they kind of hooked him up or something like that. Either he maybe got a smoking deal on it, which I, I, I work at a car dealership, they can make it any price they want. They could have sold them that motherfucker for 50 bucks. They, they can make it anything they want. So, um, it is what it is. Um, now, did I address everything? There was a lot in there, a lot to unpack. Um, yeah, I think, I think we're good. Strawweight, ESPN Plus, financial planning. Yeah. Um, also, AZ is going to be making money for like years to come, um, so I think I think he will be good. Oh wait, I almost played the third message. He sent me a third third message to kind of explain everything, and I was like, okay. Uh, but I love it. Shout out to Mixed Man. That's at Mixed Man on Twitter. One of the best people on that platform. Hey, it's Juice. What's up? So, um. <clears throat> UFC 248 wrapped up a while ago. Zhang Gang, fucking. I'm so happy with that card, man. That card was so good. That card was so fucking good. The main event was kind of a letdown, but my question this, this is my question, right? The main event was kind of a letdown, but do you think people are blowing it out of proportion a little bit, saying it's one of the worst fights they've ever seen and all that? Because when I was watching it, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. It was tense, you know? But people shit, people shit on the fight, like, understandably they shit on the fight, because it wasn't great. Like, to be honest, it wasn't great. I'm not going to rewatch it, nothing like that. But was it really, people were saying it's Derek Lewis versus Nganu levels of shit. It was, like, it's not as bad as Home Pennington. It's not as bad as Nganu Lewis. It's not even as bad as Shevchenko versus Kamush. People are blowing it way out of a portion for me. What do you think? Bro, great question. We don't always agree, but I fucking... 150% agree with this. Wow. Um, so that's Hayden. Uh, it's at Hayden underscore MMA2, I believe. Could be three. It's gotten banned so many times that I have no idea what it even is anymore. Um, but, yeah, dude. 
Absolutely. For me, and now that you're, now that I'm thinking about it, when you're saying you were on the edge of your seat the whole time, I was too. Izzy Damier gave me a heart attack uh, with uh, what was going on there. Um, like my heart was fucking pounding. I was like boom, 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 boom. Um, it reminded me so much of Woodley versus Wonder Boy two. Was that uh, one of the least amount of thri- strikes thrown in a welterweight title fight? Yes. Was it? A uh, pretty boring fight, yes. But during the fight, I thought anything could happen at any moment because of what happened in their first fight. So I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. And that's what happened this time, dude. Anytime uh, Izzy would land a head kick, I'm like, oh, is this it? Anytime Yoel would throw one of those fucking bombs, I was like, motherfucker, is this it? I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. So whilst it was maybe lackluster, and I think we were fucking spoiled from that fight of the year, dude. Uh... There, there's not, there was nothing boring about that fight to me. I mean, yes, boring in hindsight. But while I was watching it, like you said, Pluribus in a way out of proportion. It was not Holm Pennington. It was not Shevchenko Karmouche. It was not Ngano Lewis. If anyone calling it Ngano Lewis, uh, I, I got news for you. That's not what that was. That is not what that was. There was way more attempts in this fight. Way more closest, you know, one more times where I was close to being finished. And Gunnar Lewis had literally nothing. So. Fucking A. Incredible question. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. So thank you, Hayden. Alright, this next question. It's from a man. Harry Andrews. Andrews. Fuck. That crowd, fuck Yoel for blaming Izzy for the style of fight when he was the one coming out like an absolute fucking wet mop. Um, and you know, fuck all the booing, absolute wankers. Haven't really got a question. I mean, you can kind of weigh in, I imagine you will anyway, on the booing. Um, that Darius fight was Sug and Whaley and Joanna. Could have gone either way. Not angry at the result, but wouldn't have been angry if you went on either. Love the podcast as always. TTFN. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It raises a very interesting point of dialogue, which is the booing was absolutely disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. Imagine paying your hard-earned money and booing men and women who are putting their lives on the line for our entertainment. Couldn't be me. But fuck yeah, dude. Great, great Colin. Um, I loved everything you said. Uh I can't even I can't even think straight. Yeah, the Darius fight was amazing, and uh the Zhang Weili fight obviously was was on point too. Fucking A. Hey there, Juice. It's the Raging Sweet Potato, all the way from the Northern Wilds again today. Uh, I got a question for you, if you don't mind me asking. Last night at UFC 248, we saw Jang Wei Lee and Yuan Jacek put on what was most likely the greatest fight in the history of women's mixed martial arts, and definitely the greatest title fight in the history of women's MMA. We were blessed with five rounds of back-and-forth action where any one sequence could have decided the outcome of the fight, and an extremely close decision win for the defending champ. 
Main event, on the other hand, was a giant steaming pile of crap that had fans booing both fighters even before the first round was up. Neither Romero or Adesanya pushed the action, leaving fans dissatisfied and disinterested. In the end, Izzy won a listless decision that no one will ever rewatch voluntarily. Now, we all know that MSA fans, we tend to wear our hearts on our sleeves when it comes to our favorite fighters and tend to have a strong ride-or-die mentality to go with it. Last night's co-main event was the closest they come in MMA, which has resulted in a lot of back-and-forth between Yuana fans and the Zhang gang as to who the rightful winner was. And the main event was so boring, it had the soldiers of God battling it out with Team Precom. Other sports don't have this issue, as they're scored or decided in a much more definitive fashion. So my question is this. Even if we improve the judging and scoring system, whatever that may end up looking like, will MMA fans ever be able to overcome the subjective nature and our opinions on the outcome of fights? Or will we always have the coulda, woulda, shoulda aspect following us around like a ghostly puppy? Oh, gotta run. Time to harvest my maple syrup. First of all, sir, calm down with the team pre-cum. I'm a proud Izzy fan, and I don't give a fuck about that pre-cum tweet. It was hilarious. And by the way, a total joke. I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, they released some footage um, of after his UFC debut, kind of like the thrill and the agony style. He was backstage with his coach, crying with emotion, being like, we did it, we did it. Because when his uh, best friend passed away, they said they would bring him to the UFC. They said that they would, uh, his spirit would follow them wherever they went, and that they would bring him to the UFC. And they're like, we did it, we brought him to the UFC. It was an emotional win. Um, so even if he had... He was joking about the pre-cum. Anyway, I'm not even going to talk about pre-cum. We're not talking about pre-cum. This is not a pre-cum podcast. What it is, is an MMA podcast. And we are going to talk about MMA fandom, which is what your question was about. And absolutely, it's going to stay as it is. As it should be. This is something that um, evokes our emotions. This is something that gets us passionate. And regardless of if if they improve the scoring criteria, which I don't think they ever will, um, because right off the bat fighting is something that is so subjective um it's it's going to leave fans upset because right now as i said before we have criteria in place that's not perfect but sometimes isn't even followed and if it were it might have a better result and people don't even know what that criteria is saw a great tweet from brandon no couch saying a close fight doesn't have to be 48-47, and if it's a 48-47, doesn't mean it's a close fight. It could be 4-1, to one, even 5 to nothing, and still be a close fight. And I absolutely agree with that. You could win all five rounds, but still barely win them. We have criteria in place that lets that happen. Do I agree with that criteria? Not necessarily, but it still happens. So, people right now don't even know the criteria that we have. So... If they improve the criteria to, let's say, something similar we have in Pride, there's still going to be debate on as, as, as to who did the most damage or what, what control time or what, you know, was it t- is a takedown score if you do nothing, like volume start. We're never going to agree. But I think that's part of what makes our sport beautiful is that we can uh, argue like this and then we get so passionate. You know, other sports are so cut and dry. That's why I don't watch them, except for football. You know, I love football. But, dude... Fuck trying to keep your emotions in check, dude. I can't. I can't. And so when, when people say, oh, you, you pick with your heart, why, why why, would you do that? Why would you pick someone who is is very much an underdog and, and not going to win in any way? Fuck that, dude. This is a sport where anything can happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride with my, my fucking 
with my hitters. I'm going to ride with, with who I want to win and who uh, is a, someone that evokes emotion in me. And that's always going to be the case. But great question, Sweet Potato, and thank you for always sending them. It's much appreciated. That sounded like I wasn't serious. I generally am sincere. <laughs> thank you. Um, now we move on to the Twitter questions. So uh, first one comes from uh, my man Shane Tara, at Shane Tara. says, do you think there were there will ever be a concrete way to quantify how to judge a fight or what always be subjective to the judges? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I've said this before, and but it bears repeating. For someone to change, or for something to change, it has to want to change. And for the powers that be, they're convinced they have the right system. I don't think they're passionate enough in our sport to be making changes. I don't think they're in the business of admitting they're wrong. So I think the best way to improve the scoring and judging is to get more competent judges and to do what Kyra said, which is to get the judges into a soundproof room or with noise-canceling headphones and, and make sure they're not on their fucking phones. Like, we have to make sure they're watching these fights and we have to make sure that they're not influenced by the crowd. Um... I also, I wouldn't hate it if the judges were privy to the statistics, although that worries me a little bit because the statistics don't always tell the story of a fight and uh, that sort of negates everything. But I think, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess for me, I, I hate the 10-point must system and I hate the round-by-round -round scoring. I think um, judging it overall, it just makes more sense for combat. It just, it's, it's combat, like... Our fucking sport is not boxing. That system was made for boxing, and we're not boxing. So that's it. Uh, next question is from Microcosm at Microcosm. And the last um, O is a zero. Love that name. It's so fucking creative. Um, it says, What did you think? Are, or what do you think of T-City slapping a K-pop rapper while Korean Zombie was in the restroom? Talk shit, get hit. And he does a super necessary gif. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, I kind of talked about this with, uh, with Jim Asun's question. Uh, I get it. Talk shit, get hit. He was responding to the way the translator uh, translated on the show. And is not just a translator. He is a, is a rapper and he's inserting himself into, into Zombie's career. Um, however, your beef is with Korean Zombie. He's not a fighter. Regardless of if he says some bullshit to you, like, that's like him slapping a fan. Like if some fan said, hey, Ortega, you're ducking the beater. Hey, Ortega, you uh, called fucking Jeremy Stevens a puto for no reason at UFC Mexico City. Hey, Ortega, stop acting like you're the best in the world when you got dismantled by Max Holloway and he would have slapped them, we would be up in arms. So that's kind of what this is about. So yeah, talk shit, get hit, but also he's a professional fighter and that is a rapper. So yeah. Like there's levels. Like if, if he were to slap a random translator, that's like really bad. Um, slapping a rapper, not as bad, but still bad. 
And then this is uh, next question is from Pat Tobin at Pat underscore Tobin says in a fight where the stock of both ladies went up despite losing, Joanna probably cemented her legacy of one of the best ever and that she still has it. In 10 years time, when we're all still talking about this fight, who will have the greatest legacy out of Joanna and Wei Li? Dude, that is a great question. Um, I think it'll be Joanna, although people are going to look at her her losing this fight um, uh, and they're going to look at her losing the, the Shevchenko fight. Probably they're going to also say that she lost to Shevchenko Muay Thai all those times, right? And the thing is, is it's not um, it's not the time to answer this yet because we still have to see where, where Xiong Wei Li goes. Like if Rose takes the bell from her next or even Andrade gets in in a rematch, um, then Joanna will clearly have the biggest legacy. But if Wei Li just goes on a tear after this, then it might be Wei Li. I mean, recent bias will play um, into effect, but I just think Joanna built that division. And um, she also was like, like I was, I was thinking about this um, in terms of, you know, comparing women's MMA to like, or treating it as separate than regular MMA or well, not regular, you know, men's MMA, treating it separate than, than men's MMA. If you think about how um, MMA developed as a sport, right? Before they allowed women with the tournament with Hoist Gracie, Hoist Gracie was, um, leaps and bounds ahead of everybody and had like the fucking secret sauce, which was jujitsu that no one else knew until they figured it out and he didn't have anything else. That was like Ronda Rousey. Okay. When Ronda Rousey came in to the UFC or when they brought women to the UFC and Ronda Rousey was there, no one knew how to handle her judo and she made everyone look like they didn't belong in there with her. But as soon as someone was able to stop the throws and stop the takedowns, uh, she got lit the fuck up. And so... When Joanna came into strawweight, none of the girls striking were as good as hers. And that showed. So she was able to kind of do work. And then she built this amazing resume off of that. And then she found someone in Rose who could match her striking. So it's it's hard to say right now because her, her, her legacy is super valid. I'm not saying those wins don't count or they're not as valid because of, you know, Women's MMA being young, but uh, I'm just saying we kind of have to see where she'll go because because now Young Wei Li is coming in at a time where it's mostly developed and she had a huge uh, like 25 win streak or 95 win streak, um, so we kind of have to see where where Young Wei Li goes from here. I think for sure pump the brakes on the Valentina fight. Um, I mean, I didn't necessarily want to see that anyway. I, I hate doing like you know quote unquote super fights when they haven't really defended the belt, but. Uh, um, I wouldn't mind seeing that at some point because eventually they're both going to run out of contenders. Well, Valentina is. I don't know about Jean because, as I said uh, before, fucking uh, mixed demands uh, question. Yeah, Strawweight is super deep. Next question is from Harry Andrew at Harry Andrew 94 He said, Juice, I don't know about you, but people have such short memories. People going on like Izzy now has no chance against Costa. If I remember, people were up divided on who won Yoel versus Costa, and there is no way Costa fights Izzy that way. It'll be entertaining in another defense. Hell yeah, dude. Styles make fights. And the way uh, that fight played out was was because of the clash of styles. Um, Costa's going to come forward, and he's going to walk into some shots. It's going to be like the Robert Whittaker fight. Sorry about it. Um... Another one from Pat Tobin. This is just funny. This is was Costa's choice of shirt an early sign of CTE. <laughs> oh, so terrible. Uh, 
and the lipstick, dude. I saw the girls talking about the lipstick online. I didn't notice it, but now I'm looking at this picture that Pat put on there. I'm like, bro, he was wearing lipstick. Which, do your thing, but um, hey, don't wear lipstick. Um, next question is from Bad Barbie at MMA Catfish. Motherfucker, <laughs> this guy says, "Why do we tempt the MMA gods? We all knew who couldn't have we couldn't have two barn burners for a title on the same card. Wasn't horrible, but please never let me have to see Izzy Yoel again. Also, close fights aren't robberies, so everyone can chat about Zhang versus JJ." Definitely agree, but he has more. He says, okay, ignore that tweet, but here's a better one. I didn't ignore that tweet, obviously. He says, the fight game is part entertainment, and I understand being careful and doing what you had to do, but at the same time, the main event was indeed a chess match, not a very unentertaining one, and fighters can't expect to be a draw if they have uneventful fights due to being too concerned about losing. What's my question, you ask? Can you set aside your bias long enough to give us your thoughts on this? As I know you love the entertainment side, but you also love Izzy. And this is an incredible question. Now, when I say I love the entertainment side of things, um, yes, I like to be entertained by fights. But when I say in terms of like, like that to me is like the actual fighting. Like I say, there's people that just watch for the fights and people that watch also for the entertainment. Me, I mean, it's both, but I also, I'm really interested in the entertainment and when i say that it's things outside of the cage it's things like is he doing the fucking coming to america walkout which was just amazing it's the dancing at, at the fucking press conference that they had it's um his dance walkout at 243 right like shit like that is what just gets me fucking excited and personalities and like the things that they that they say on the mic his amazing post-fight interview so um yeah that's that's what I mean. and no, I can't set aside my bias. I fucking wear it on my sleeve. I, I fucking this this podcast could be called the fighting with my bias, bro. <laughs> but um, yeah, I agree that I will not rewatch the easy fight. Although I, I will say this, I don't really rewatch fights. Um, I mean, I watch old fights because I came into the sport late, but um. I don't often rewatch certain fights. I'll have, we, I've, I've watched Bisping Silva like five times, and I've watched um, Marlon Vera versus Brad Pickett like three times because I'm a fucking uh, masochist and I love crying, and I cry every time Brad Pickett's fucking knocked out. Um, but yeah, um, to to go further into your question actually, because that that brings up another point about fighting to not lose versus fighting to win. Izzy's not that kind of guy. This was a situation where Yoel, the onus was on him to go fucking get after that title, and he didn't. And that's it. And you can say what you want. Izzy fought him in a way that neutralized a lot of his weapons. And so Yoel's hard to look good against, so he certainly didn't look good. But come on, dude. He got the win, and it was uh, a needed performance. And Yoel didn't even deserve the title shot anyway, so... I think I saw a tweet. It might have been KGB. might have been Chica. might have been Steffi Haynes. I want to say it was Steffi Haynes. It was uh, an underserved title shot gets a deserved loss. Beautiful. I mean, just perfectly simple and accurate. Um, but yeah. Uh, great, great question, Seth. Next question is from Bon. At Bonald Bon. says... My words do enough damage on here. You don't need to hear my voice, but I'll think of a question for sure and come back. Oh, I thought it was a question I was going to be reading. Well, fuck. 
It is a dialect anyway. Um, this is from Cyrus King. It says, with the incredible fight between Zhang and Yoana, would you say Yoana, Zhang, and Rose are on a level by themselves in that division? Or would you also include Jessica Andrade with those three? Uh, absolutely. Um, I think it's like they're like the four horsewomen, like, except for they're not like riding together. They're going against each other. But it's like a, it's like a round robin. Like they're kind of like... Um, uh, it was Rhonda... Misha, Holly, and Amanda. How those titles changed right back to back. Like, it was like Rhonda would always be Misha, that Holly be Rhonda, and then Misha beat Holly. And they had they had this like round robin of thing. Like, if they were to, if Rhonda were to come back, like maybe she would have got over on Misha, but then Holly she would have still beat Holly, or I mean Holly would have still beat her. Like, we could we could very well be witnessing that again. Now I, I would also include Jessica in that, although she was losing the Rose fight before the slam. I don't care if you're a Jessica Andrade mark, and if I'm a Rose mark, she was losing that fight. That's it. She was losing that fight till the slam. Um, so uh, we'll have to see how the rematch plays out. Um, I'm so mad that I I can't be there or that I'm I might be late. I don't know. Next question is from Janice Davidson. Been a while since she sent a question for the podcast, so shout out to Janice Davidson. Uh, says, how do you think Adesanya versus Romero would have played out if they had stood and banged? Uh, you know what? Honestly, if they just stood there and traded, I mean, there's a good chance Yoel catches him. But he knew that, and this is mixed martial arts. He knew that he had to play it smart, and and so people that say he was running, first of all, fuck you. Second of all, um, that's a valid deal. Like People do that, and he only was running to like not be cut off against the cage. So it wasn't like he literally ran from him the whole fight. He literally just ran to avoid a, a blitz. That's it. So, uh, yeah, no, if, if they sit and bang, I mean, if all things are equal, Izzy's a much better striker. But Yoel has that power. I mean, that can change everything. Like, that's why people say puncher's chance, which is, like, one of those things that shouldn't matter. That, that's one of those sort of, like, bad narratives um, that people throw out as far as having a puncher's chance, but uh, um, Izzy, Izzy smokes him any day of the week. All right, next question is from Marcus McGahey. McGahey, sorry, I'm pronouncing that terribly wrong. Probably, um, it's at the notorious Biv. <laughs> Love that. He said between tonight's uh, UFC strawweight title fight and last night's main event at Invicta, this has been an excellent weekend for women in MMA. Anyway, I want to focus on the former. How did you score the co-main, and how surprised are you that um, Wei Li Zhong was able to outscore Yuan Yun Jacek on the feet? Wow, dude. This is a great question. So, yeah, women's MMA shined this weekend. That one-night tournament, the Phoenix Series 3, uh, at Invicta, incredible. Um, the man Ray was there covering it. Um, got some great pictures from that. Thank you for that, Ray. And um, yeah, I was uh, really, um, really hoping Serena would take that. So I'm so glad she won her first fight, and that the the second fight didn't go her way. I was I was pretty sad about that. Uh, so I didn't I didn't watch that whole tournament, but I it was certainly an exciting night of fights. And uh, someone shared the uh, um, they showed us like a side by side photo of. I would assume whoever won, uh, but it was like someone with a big gash on her face, uh, on like on her forehead, and uh, like a side by side of Joanna being the massive forehead, and they were like women's women came to fucking fight this weekend, and I was like hell yeah, so very proud to be uh, a women's MMA fan this weekend, and uh, I've already talked about it, but I, I scored the main in such a way that um, 
I, I was sore. I was, I don't know, barely confident, like maybe Zhang won. Uh, but um, I also was like pretty much not sure. Like if they want to run it back based on that, I got no problem. That was the best fight I've seen in a long time. So yeah, that's everything. And uh, what a great uh, what a great question to end the forum on. This is this is great. Um, again, if you want to get involved in the forum uh, on fight nights after the main event or during, sometimes before, I'll put up a post on my Twitter, and it usually is my pinned tweet at that point for the night of fights and the morning after. Uh, you can always send in a voice question on the Anchor app. Uh, just search "fighting with myself" and send me a message there um, via voice, or if you want to record it on your own. You can then email it to fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. So definitely do that. And that uh, brings us to the end of the segment. Let's now preview UFC Brasilia. Okay, boys and girls, let's put away our thoughts on UFC 248 because that card is done. Now let's look ahead to UFC Brasilia. Uh, there's some fights I really like on this card. And... Um, it's not super deep, but it's going to be super fun. And sometimes we need these. We need some fights where we're not uh, super emotionally invested in everything because it kind of lets us just enjoy the potential violence that we have. So that being said, um, starting off the night is Francisco Trinaldo versus John McDessie. And uh, I like John McDessie, but he has a tendency to fight his opponent's fight. And I think Francisco will be too technical uh, for him and it will outpoint him, uh, especially being Brazil. Um, the crowd is definitely going to influence these judges here. Um, I mean, not definitely, but I'm saying that's how I see it going anyway. Um, that's a definite possibility, let's say. Um, and uh, John McDessie... Um, I don't like his chances in hostile territory, so I'm going to go with Francisco Trinaldo on this one, uh, although I hope I'm wrong. Uh, and then next up is Johnny Walker taking on Nikita Krylov. I've really been loving the resurgence in Nikita Krylov's career. Um, I think he's a fucking beast at 205. Um, he uh, has shown some real promise. And so on his best night, he probably dismantles Johnny Walker. But uh, I think Johnny Walker learned from his last performance. And uh, he's going to come in motivated. Uh, he's going to be back in Brazil. Uh, he's going to want to put on a show for the fans. And this is going to be an all-out war. I got Johnny Walker taking this one. He's a guy that um, I'll never pick against. I fucking love Johnny Walker, dude. I do. I love Johnny Walker. I still want to do that... Um, uh, podcast where I fucking do the review with my friend Steven on the Johnny Walker Black Whiskey. I miss that every time I think about Johnny Walker. But uh, gotta, gotta watch this fight. Gotta tune in for Johnny Walker violence. He's the GOAT! Ask Pat Shaheen. He's the GOAT. Shout out to those guys. Man, shout out to, shout out to Scope MMA. If you guys haven't, uh, haven't checked out that podcast, do it right now. Um, they do a great show. Two, two boys from Louisiana, Cole Henry, and... Uh, Pat the dog, Shaheen. Love those guys. Uh, so yeah, I got Johnny Walker, obviously. And then moving on, Hanato Moikano is taking on Demir Hadjevic. Now, I thought Demir Hadjevic was a 55er and Moikano was a 45er. So this fight intrigues me. 
because it's saying it's at lightweight. And I don't know if that's them just putting it there from the fact that Demir fights at lightweight or is Hanato actually moving up. I would assume the latter, which in that case, that's awesome. But also sucks for him because he's going from one stacked division to an even more stacked division. <laughs> so, uh, but I love that for him. If, if the weight cuts are tough, hey man, go up. I'm all for it. So, um, I'm going to pick him in this one, even though he's a smaller guy. Um, I'm not that impressed by Demir. And uh, while I'm not too impressed with Hinato, I think he is the better fighter. So I'm going to go with Hinato. Um, and now the coming event is Damian Maya and Gilbert Burns. Now, MMA Twitter has a hard-on for Gilbert Burns because he came up to 170 and took short on his fights and was uh, putting, work, putting in work. But I've been a long-time Damian Maya fan, dude. And uh, whilst I share the same love for Gilbert Burns... Um, although I don't extend to his brother yet. Um, Damian Maya is the shit. And uh, I think he uh, is going to... I mean, it, it sucks because Gilbert Burns probably has a defensive wrestling and, and grappling to avoid Damian Maya's game. But also, I feel like the ego in him wants to test himself against the fucking best grappler in the division because obviously he thinks he's the best grappler in the division. I don't see a scenario where Damian Maia, I mean, obviously getting knocked out is a, is a real possibility against Gilbert Burns, but um, I don't see a scenario where Damian Maia lets that happen. And um, whilst Burns is also Brazilian, he trains in Florida, Damian stays in Brazil, he stays in Sao Paulo. So um, I think he's going to be fresh for this um, and more acclimated. I'm also just grasping at straws to try and figure out why I'm, I'm picking Damian Maia, but I don't need to, dude. I don't need to justify anything. Um, I got Damian Maia, and that's it. And uh, the co-main event is here. Now, I did allude to this earlier, and I and you guys know from listening to me before, I'm a big Kevin Lee fan. Um, I will admit I I fell off the bandwagon a little bit because I was I was confused about where his head was at um, in terms of fighting, finding a new home. And while everyone's saying, oh, does one fight at Trisart? Everyone thinks he's uh, now a world beater. Guys, he was already good. He just lost his way when he his coach died. So give him some fucking slack. And Gregor Gillespie, as Phil pointed out, people were saying he, he could be the guy to be Khabib. And Kevin Lee smoked that guy. So you guys can put it in your pipe and suck it. Even though the expression is put in your pipe and smoke it, I wanted to end that with suck it. So both. Do both, dude. Um... Yeah, Kevin Lee, though, um, I think he's found a home at TriStar. I will say that we only have one fight as data to prove that, but it it seems to me... I mean, Kevin Lee is a big GSP fan. If you guys don't know his story, um, I mean, it's not really part of his story, but he's told the story a few times. Uh, he was a wrestler in college and then watched um, GSP versus BJ Penn, and GSP fucking beat the shit out of G, uh, BJ Penn. And he was like, man, I can do that. I'm a wrestler. Like He he was out wrestling him, and I was he was just like, yeah, dude, like that's... He was inspired by that, and he's always loved George, and so um, I think that's going to do wonders for him. And I, you know, seen pictures of him training with with OAM as well. Like, what a fucking pleasure it would be to be a fly on that wall in that room. Holy shit, uh, I love Kevin Lee, and uh, I, I I said before, Oliver's no slouch. So I'm not sitting here saying like he's going to smoke him. He's gonna, this is a tough task, um, but uh, Kevin Lee. Uh, versus Charles Oliveira, I think is a situation where um, Kevin Lee can learn from the game plan that Felder employed. 
which is just kind of stay out of the uh, of the game pressure and land some heavy elbows. Um, Kevin Lee has got good grappling as well. I would hope that he's not going to try and test his grappling against him, but you'd rather use it to to keep the fight where he wants. I think he's got better striking. Uh, I, th- I just think Kevin Kevin Lee is the better overall mixed martial artist, and uh, I think Frost is going to put together a nice game plan for this fight. So I'm super stoked. I got Kevin Lee. He's going to fucking dismantle. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I, I got Kevin Lee ultimately coming out on top. And uh, you heard it here. Thank you for listening to this episode. And if you're a Yoel fan, I have to thank you even more if you got to this point because you realize that it's all in good fun, that I'm actually um, not throwing shade your way. Um, and I want to thank everyone who supports me. Um, you guys are the best. So um, I don't want to do specific shout outs other than I always shout out anyone who sends in a question because you are participating in the show and that deserves its own shout out but I do want to shout out every single person listening so if you're listening right now you just got your own shout out because I love you and that said we are at the end of this episode so you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod if you listen to the show and you want to follow my day-to-day antics go to uh, I'm at, at Aaronish Jackson uh, on Twitter same on Instagram for personal stuff that's a private account though um so i might not approve the request because sometimes i put some personal shit on there but um that said it is what it is babies let's end this episode right here and uh we'll see you next week until then good night and good fights